when are we going to get some non-brain-dead news out of Arizona? Certainly not today. Oh, no. no. A proposed Arizona law would deny birth certificates to children born in the United States to illegal immigrant parents. Uh, the bill comes on the heels of Arizona passing the nation's toughest immigration law. So the, there's yeah, a Republican. And stupidest, we yeah. might add. John Kavanaugh, a Republican state representative from Arizona who wears his birth certificate around his neck at all times. Mm-hmm. He's a member of the Church of the One-Way Light. Uh-huh. Uh, supports the proposed law. Uh, what did he say? He called it, um, it's aimed at so-called anchor babies. Said that the concept does not conflict with the U.S. Constitution. Of course, he's dead wrong. Anchor baby. I think that's a term they use in the petroleum industry. The anchor anchor baby, anchor baby is what keeps the oil down in the well. You're, I'm like beginning that. to get ill behind this. Okay, okay. He ahead. says it doesn't conflict with the U.S. Constitution. Of course, he's either more wrong than he's stupid or more stupid than he's wrong. I, I will have to take a look. He says, if you go back to the original intent of the drafters, it was never intended to bestow citizenship upon illegal aliens. There weren't any illegal aliens. Everybody was an illegal alien. alien. Right. That's why we fought the British. We were all aliens. Okay. Okay. So So, he doesn't think this violates the Constitution where it says if you're born in the United States, you're a citizen? Well, under federal Um, law, children born in the United States are automatically granted citizenship regardless of their parents' residency status. Of course. But, you know, in in this country, just saying no is good enough for some people. Peter Beinert and the Daily Beast reminds us that President Obama has gone to war on oil. In his recent address from the Oval Office, uh, the Prez talked about oil assaulting our shores, his battle plan for combating the disaster, and near the speech's end explicitly compared the struggle for energy independence to World War II. The only thing missing was William James's famous phrase, moral equivalent of war, which Jimmy Carter employed when he demanded that America move beyond oil in his nationally televised speech, and that was 33 years ago. And he said, unless the U.S. changed course, Carter warned, this is in 1977, we will feel mounting pressure to plunder the environment. We will dot, 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 drill more offshore wells. Hey, Jimmy Carter may have suffered from malaise, but the guy was prescient. Okay. Now, By making his first Oval Office speech a plea for energy independence, Obama has offered the clearest evidence yet that uh, he has a foreign policy document. It is something along the lines of strategic retrenchment. The word retrenchment is a good word for me when it comes to armies abroad. By reducing U.S. forces in Iraq, reducing U.S. goals in Afghanistan, and eschewing war in Iran, he's trying to give himself the money and time to rebuild American domestic strength for the growing economic struggle with China and uh, with other rising powers. I don't want to struggle with those people. I want to cooperate with those people. The Gulf oil spill makes the effort harder because it adds a massive new domestic problem that Obama must try to solve. Yeah, and you know, he's basically taking responsibility for the oil spill in a way. He refuses to get angry at at BP or very angry at BP because what? He's a wuss or maybe he's president of the United States, the most powerful single individual on the planet, and we hope he can possibly keep his cool. Yeah, but... Uh, the spill makes makes it harder, but it also helps to create the urgency that he needs to do on energy what he did on health care, overcome decades of inertia and narrow self-interest, and make fundamental change. As Obama has said, the nation, this is what he said now, he said, the nation that uh, I'm most interested in building is our own. 
his presidency will rise or fall on what he builds. So the man in the Daily Beast says. Well, let's talk about war on oil. First of all, I'm not so sure I like the metaphor war on, war on drugs, war on poverty. You can't kill poverty, you can't kill drugs, and you can't kill oil. Or you can't kill our appetite for oil. When I say our, let, let me give a caveat here. I think anybody that stands up and says we without saying I first should get the pie in the face. So when I talk about appetite for oil or, or, or you know non-sustainable lifestyle, I'm talking about mine first, me, the guy with a carbon footprint the size of a Yeti. All right. So we aren't going to declare war on oil successfully because that would be declaring war on ourselves. It's our appetite for it that makes the problem. And I don't want to go to war on myself. Uh, the Muslims say, of course, there's two wars. There's two jihads. There's the great jihad and the minor jihad. The minor jihad is fighting all the rest of the infidels in the world. And they're doing a horribly good job of that. They say the inner jihad, the fight within oneself, is the great war. Well, I don't want to fight a war. I want to take small, reasonable steps to deal with this oil addiction. It's really not an addiction with oil, although driving around in one's double Hummer, you know, that gets less than a mile to the gallon. I remember the cartoon in The New Yorker a long time ago where a guy has this huge car that he's filling up at a, at a gas station. The attendant says, you better turn off the motor. You're gaining on it. So, you know, I, I know I don't drive a double Hummer, right? People who do and people who live in 40, you know, 40 bedroom mansions and keep the, you know, and keep the electricity in all the time or the guys with the huge yachts, they are basically, yeah, eating too much. And we're going to have to restrict their appetite, whether they like it or not. But I'm going to have to restrict my appetite, whether I like it or not, because right now I am I am right. I am. What do you say? Um, what's my what's what's my gift to the next generation? What an overuse of oil, a depletion of resources, a broke economy. It is not our appetite for oil. That's the problem. It's our appetite for electricity. Eighty percent of all oil is used to generate electricity. And we use electricity like, well, 25% of the world's resources are consumed by America, 5% of the world's population. We need a spiritual rebirth, doing a lot more with a lot less. And it's, a, it's an amazing challenge. It's a mighty challenge, which I believe we have the wherewithal to face. The Republicans aren't going to lead the way. We're going to have to green the Democrats. We're headed towards a one-party democracy anyway, as, as the Republicans self-destroy in front of us. Some become crazy teabaggers, others become crazy Christian fundamentalists, and others just become crazy. Who knows? They're, they're disintegrating. So we're going to have to green the Democrats. That's the challenge. I would impeach him. And if that's not enough, some of you men own taverns. Sam, you are a brewer. Mr. President, a distiller. You know how tough it is to run a small business without a tyrannical government on your back. Today, we have an internal revenue service that enforces what they call a progressive income tax. You'll love this. Every year, if not every quarter, we're basically required to spy on ourselves, report what we earn, who we hire and fire with an all-powerful separate court system. Without representation, they could increase taxes, add costly regulation, or perform malicious audits. Now this same IRS is going to force us to buy health insurance, cram it down our throats, 
or else. Now, I took an oath to defend that with my life. Now, I can't stand by while these evils are perpetrated. You gentlemen revolted over a T-tax. A T-tax! Now look at us. Are you with me? Gather your armies. I'm Rick Barber, and I approve this message. You're you're Rick Barber, and you are fatotzed, no, fatutzed, no, no. fatcocked. <laughs> where, where is he running for what, what, Pete? Well, let's just call it Alabama, shall we? All right. <laughs> is yeah, that he, enough to say? And is he a Democrat? Not. Not. Oh, my. And how about the actor that did Gather Your Armies? I'm sorry. I mean, that's why they have Hollywood. That's yeah. why, you know, what if they'd have called us to do that voiceover? I'd have done more like, Gather Your Armies. That's good. I, I, let me, let's try, let me, Why don't you try it again? Are you with me, Mr. President, Mr. Distiller? Gather your armies. Better than me. You got it. You got the job. Okay, that's good. I need the money. Excuse me? Excuse me? What? What are, you, what are you doing there, human? It's, it's a long story. Just... Oh, good. I like long stories. Uh, sit down and talk. Uh-huh. Oh, well, uh, okay. Oh, no, no, not on me. Oh, sorry, <laughs> sorry, sorry. Well, it's all because of my uncle, the fabulously wealthy... Stop, and ver- stop. Um, what does wealthy mean? Like rich. Oh, oh. And rich? Uh, lots of money. Ah. What's money? Look, you want to hear the story or don't you? Yes, yes, but I'd like to understand it, too. Oh, very sorry, Rock. I'm afraid I don't understand it myself. Uh, the name is Stone. Okay. Stone. Thank you. And my uncle, who is a very important man, mm-hmm. was supposed to send me to the Space Academy. Ah. But he didn't. No. He decided a liberal education was a better thing, so he sent me to his old spinster alma mater to major in non-human humanities. And uh, Are you with me so far? Uh, no. But understanding is not necessarily an adjunct to appreciation. Well, that's what I say. Now, I'll never understand Uncle Sidney, but I appreciate his outrageous tastes, his magpie instinct, and his gross meddling in other people's affairs. I appreciate them till I'm sick to the stomach. (laughs) There's nothing else I can do. He's a carnivorous old family monument, fond of having his own way. Uh Unfortunately, he also has all the money in the family, so it follows like a... after a... that he always does... Get his own way. This this money must be pretty important stuff. Oh, important enough to send me across 10,000 light years to an unnamed world, which, incidentally, I've just named Dung Hill. Dung? Ugh. You know. Oh, 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 the low-flying zat is a heavy eater, yeah. which accounts for the uh, low-flying... Yeah, like, yes, yeah, I've noted that That is moss, though, isn't it? Oh, of course. Good, good. Then crating you will be less of a problem. What's crating? Uh, it means to put something in a box, uh, take it somewhere else. Like moving around? Yeah. Well, what are you planning on crating? Yourself, Stone. I've never been the rolling sort. Look, Stone, my uncle is a rock collector. See, you, your neighbors, uh, the only species of intelligent mineral in the galaxy. You're also the largest specimen I've spotted so far. So, uh, do you follow me? Yes, but I don't want to. Why not? 
you'd be lord of his rock collection. So? Sort of a one-eyed man in the kingdom of the blind, if I may venture an inappropriate metaphor. Oh, please don't do that, whatever it is. It sounds awful. Tell me. How did your uncle hear of our world? One of my instructors read about this place in an old space log. Now, he was an old space log collector. And the log had belonged to a Captain Fairhill who landed here several centuries ago and held lengthy discourse with uh, your people. Good old foul-weather Fairhill! How is he these days? Give him my regards. Well, he's dead. What? Dead. What's dead? Caput, uh, Bluey, gone. Uh, oh, uh, 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 Diebel. Oh, my! Mm. When did it happen? I, I trust it was a, an aesthetic occurrence of major import. I really couldn't say, but I passed the information on to my uncle who decided to collect you. That's why I'm here. He sent me. Really? Mm-hmm. Well, as much as I appreciate the compliment, <clears throat> I can't accompany you. It's almost Diebel time. I know. I read all about Diebeling in the Fair Hill log before I showed it to Uncle Sidney. I tore those pages out. I want him to be around when you do it. Then I can inherit his money and console myself in all manner of expensive ways for never having gone to the Space Academy. First, I'll become an alcoholic. Then I'll take up winching. And, um... I better do it the other way around. But I want to deeble here, among the things I've become attached to. This is a crowbar. Huh? I'm going to unattach you. If you try it, I'll deeble right now. You can't. Who says? I measured your mass before we struck up this conversation. <clears throat> it will take at least eight months under Earth conditions for you to reach deebling proportions. Okay, now- I was bluffing. But have you no compassion? I've rested here for centuries, ever since I was a small pebble, as did my fathers before me. Oh, boy. I've added so carefully to my atom collection, building up the finest molecular structure in the neighborhood. And now, <laughs> to be snatched away right before deebling time, it's, it's, it's quite unrock of you. Oh, it's not that bad. I promise you'll collect the finest Earth atoms available. You'll go to places no other stone has ever been before. Small consolation. I want my neighbors to see. I'm afraid that's out of the question. You are a very cruel human. I hope you're around when I deeble. I intend to be far away and on the eve of prodigious debaucheries when that occurs. Oh, wait, no, oh, please. Oh, oh, oh that was easy. <laughs> well... Forgot Dunghill's got subby gravity. Well, here we go! Roll, roll, roll no, please, can't we talk this over? Is there no pity in your heart? No, 